0: This is Inside Berkeley. I'm Brian Paris, and in this episode, we're talking with Panos Panay, the founding managing director for the Berkeley Institute of Creative Entrepreneurship, or Berkeley ICE. The institute is founded on the idea that musicians are natural entrepreneurs and that music thinking is a critical asset in building a career, not just in music, but in the business and tech sectors as well. Panay is a 1994 alumnus of Berkeley and went on to found and lead the successful music booking company Sonic Bids for 13 years before returning to convene Berkeley ICE. Panos, welcome to Inside Berkeley. Thank you, Brian. So, from what uh, from what I know, you were a guitar major uh, your time at Berkeley, and I've heard you say that you got here and saw the level of talent, and realized maybe you should uh, look in a, a different direction or take your music abilities in a, in a different in a different way. Um, could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. I think it's a process that probably a lot of Berkeley students go through. Yeah. You come here, and I certainly came from a very small place, so it's easy to be a a big fish in a small pond. But I think I realized very quickly that I probably wasn't as good or as talented as I thought I was. And then I decided to do music business. I was part of the first graduating class of music business management back in 1994. Um, And, you know, it really took about 20 years after I graduated (laughs) almost to really be able to connect my music background with ultimately the journey that i had hmm. as a as an entrepreneur uh, in music and to realize that the two meaning my education in music and the way that i was thinking as a musician and the way that i was relating to people was actually quite related to the way that i went about building a business hmm. and in many ways my own personal journey informed the approach that we took in building out the curriculum for Berkeley ICE.
0: Hmm, that's cool. So at the beginning it was kind of like you had this business acumen and your musician abilities and they were kind of parallel or kind of running alongside each other. They they weren't intersecting at your while you were a student then.
1: Certainly not as a student or I yeah. I, I really didn't see it that way. Maybe I couldn't connect those dots. Yeah. So I thought okay, I'm leaving my musician persona behind and now I'm going to put on this new metaphorical suit, yeah. if you will, and and go into business. And for years, admittedly, I was in denial of, of the fact that I had a background in music, hmm. that I had a music degree. I thought it was just not relevant to whatever I was doing. Um, and I think in many ways, it's a, it's it's a process and a transition that a lot of people have to make, especially if they end up pursuing a path that's not quite what they had originally envisioned when they went to college or certainly when they went to Berkeley. And admittedly, I think this happens to most people. As a matter of fact, I think it's quite rare that you end up doing exactly what you thought you would do when you go to college, any college. And maybe that's part of the beauty of these four years that we spend in school, that they're really transformative. But I also feel that today there is... A lot of pressure, both from um, a higher ed standpoint as well as a marketplace standpoint, to finish school and have skills that are ready um, and readily accessible for you to go and develop a a career. Hmm. Everything has just become a lot faster, and I think everybody demands things a lot sooner, a lot faster from from people. Um, so this pressure that I feel is being put on both our graduates as well as the institution itself to be preparing students for what in our industry, at least, is a vastly different business than the one that I graduated into in 1994, is a lot of what informed the creation of, of the institute.
0: So you said you you'd sort of didn't make that music connection Right away when you were, uh, you know, working in business and, and were almost hiding it a little bit. What was that moment like where you realized that the two not just intersected but really fed into each other in a unique and, and powerful way? Well,
1: I ran my business. So after I graduated Berkeley, I became a talent agent. I booked a number of really famous jazz artists and people that I idolized as a kid, people mm-hmm. like Pat Metheny and Chick Corea. Wow uh, Brantford Marsalis, uh, Leonard Cohen, Isaac Hayes, uh, the list goes on and on. And then after that, I started my company Sonic Bids, and I did that for 13 years. So really between the two careers that I had as an agent and then as an entrepreneur, that's almost about 20 years. I sold my company in 2013. I graduated college in 94. So that's 19 years. And then after I sold my company, you know, you go through this process, not dissimilar to the process that you go when you're shedding one identity when I came to Berkeley and then assuming another one. Um, so I went through this process of frankly a lot of introspection. Okay, especially because um Roger Brown, our our president, and I were having discussions about this institute. So it really causes you. When you're asked um, to sort of go out there and and coach other people how to think a particular way, it really forces you to uh, look at yourself uh, with an introspective lens and just say, "So what what contributed to me being here?" Um, and 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 frankly, going through that transition after I sold my business um, and and really considering whether to even come here and and do what I'm doing right now with with the institute, um, really made me embrace the fact that I had this music background and that it wasn't disconnected at all from the career journey that I had. That not only did it, did it inform it, but in many ways it was a catalyst and an accelerator for everything that I did that I did do. Everything from the way that I related to people from the skills that I was looking for when I was hiring people to my approach when let's say we were releasing um, something new on 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 the website at Sonic bids, um, so much of that process was informed by my music background because fundamentally, I think my entire life I thought of myself as a as a creator And that led me to realize, creation is the same whether you're putting out a piece of music or whether you are aspiring to start a company. It doesn't really matter. It, it's it, you're motivated by the, the exact same instincts I don't I don't think that anybody goes into music because they want to make a bunch of money. They go into music because they have something to say, they have um, they, they, they believe that what they have to say is is important and certainly, they're motivated motivated by the urge for whatever they have to say to be embraced by others and accepted by others uh, and valued. Maybe that's a key word: valued by others. So, for me, the two things ended up being identical. the the The, the need for a musical expression or the need for an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial expression um, felt that they were coming from the exact same place. That's great. So that's that's kind of the foundation for
0: for for this institute. So uh, talk a little bit about actually founding it and kind of turn it into programming for uh, for Berkeley students.
1: What it informed it was a number of things. Um, I was chair of the Presidential Advisory Council here for about six years. Um, I've been close with Roger Brown for a long, long time. He he was um, also on my board of directors at at my company um so i I think i 've known Roger practically since the first year that he started here at Berkeley, and he 's always been somebody that i 've admired and respected and have learned a lot from over the years um uh, both now and while he was a director um, at sonic bids um so over over the years, both from a personal experience, for example, seeing a lot of Berkeley graduates come and work at my company. Um, experiencing Berkeley graduates as members of 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 Sonic Bids, we have six hundred thousand bands uh, on the site, and a good number of them are Berkeley graduates. Um, but then also being immersed within Berkeley as part of my capacity on back then on the uh, what we call the PAC or the Presidential Advisory Council, I felt very strongly, as did Roger, that. Um, with an industry that is changing at warp speed, we have to do a better job preparing our graduates for careers in this business, no matter what uh, those careers end up being. We also owe it to them to prepare them for uh, largely what will be a life as a, uh, as an entrepreneur, as, as a startup. And I think no matter what you're doing, when you finish Berkeley, you're not aspiring and you probably won't look or get a conventional job. You're going to go out there and create your job. And to me, that's, that's the beauty of the, uh, th- to me, that's a gift. The ability to design your own future is something that most people don't get to do. To go back to the Berkeley students, in order for you to design your career and your future and your job, we have to give you a certain amount of skills that go beyond the traditional music skills. Um, so in, in, in thinking a lot about, well, how, how do you coach this concept of thinking entrepreneurially? And, and I, I think it's an important differentiator that we don't look at the concept of an entrepreneur as just somebody who's starting a traditional business. I think nowadays we associate that with a software business. The term has been to some degree hijacked by Silicon Valley to only mean one thing. But with us, we wanted to expand that definition and to say, look, thinking entrepreneurially uh, is about approaching your life journey and your career as if you are the startup. So in thinking about, okay, how do you go uh, about developing a curriculum, teaching these skills, what does that mean? That's where I felt that if we try and uh, simply go and replicate something that existed in other traditional business schools, whether it's MIT or Sloan or, or Harvard Business School or Stanford, I thought that um, we would be importing something that's foreign to the culture of Berkeley. But in borrowing from my own experience, um, in in looking at these two journeys of ultimately creativity as having these uh, similar paths, meaning the path of being entrepre- an entrepreneur and the path of being a musician, and almost borrowing terms from one another and juxtaposing them, um, I thought it would be a much more effective approach uh, in terms of reaching out to a population that, let's face it, most students who come here want to escape the concept of business because they associate that with a very traditional path, the very path that they've rejected by coming here. That sounds like it's very broadly
0: applicable to, to every student. And like you said, it, you know, everyone is an entrepreneur of their own startup. So in, in in terms of getting involved with the Institute, is this like an application-based thing? Or, you know, how do, how do people get into
1: ICE? A key differentiator between... ICE and other institutes, is that from the beginning, we have been designed to some degree to be a supporting mechanism for the entire body of students at Berkeley, rather than necessarily something that only a select group of students apply and get in for. And again, that's something that Um, goes back to the founding of the institute and the intentions behind that founding, which have a lot less to do with starting traditional businesses, which is what most schools tend to do when they launch an entrepreneurial um, center or entrepreneurial institute. They tend to be for the people who want to go and start and develop traditional businesses. And that's a model that you can find in countless of universities and colleges across America and the world, we said entrepreneurship for us is something that needs to be applied to everybody. Um, So the institute has been designed so that anybody who wants to take these courses or workshops or experiences we offer or trips or any number of the other types of programming that we have developed over the last three years, anybody can take them. Um, So it is designed to be for everyone rather than for a select few um, few students. That's great. So and so, speaking of that,
0: what are some of the programs or courses that you, that you guys offer? Sure. So
1: the Institute has um, three areas. We have a learning area, a research area, and a laboratory area. Well, the learning space, I like to say, this is where we sort of transfer knowledge uh, or coach students about this concept of thinking entrepreneurially. So within that, we have courses uh, that you can take both in in, in classroom setting as well as um, online. We have workshops. So we do we organize two do two trips, which we'll talk about a bit later. But one is to Silicon Valley. The other one is to South by Southwest. Uh, we do a number of talk. Uh, we have a talk uh, series where we bring entrepreneurs or creative entrepreneurs onto the campus to speak to uh, to students. Um, and and also workshops. Um, and when we're designing these experiences for students, we ask ourselves um, three questions. Are we pushing our students outside of their natural comfort zones, both physically and emotionally? Um, are these experiences we're creating by nature collaborative uh, with a practical outcome? Because once you finish college, you're expected to work with all kinds of people, and produce actual results? And the third is, are we developing more relationships uh, with with industry? Are we sort of piercing this academic bubble now so that students get a feel for what it's like to go out there and be part of this this, uh, industry that we like to call music business? Um, So that's the learning area. In the research area, uh, this is where um, we operate under an umbrella we call Rethink Music, and uh I like to say this is the area where we uh are all about asking big questions about the future of music or the way that music affects our, our lives, our minds, our bodies, our society. Um and the research area are are is about generating new knowledge and maybe a, a fairly well um, known outcome of the research is a report that we put out about a year ago now called Fair Music about the way that money flows from consumers through streaming services all the way to creators and how much money actually trickles down to creators. And then the third area is the laboratory or the lab. Um, so if learning is about um, transferring knowledge and research is about generating new knowledge, the lab is about applying knowledge. And within that area, um, we both uh, have um, a relationship uh, with a facility here in Boston called um, Work Bar, where students who have advanced ideas can actually go and work within that facility and actually develop them. And, and we informally, I would say, more than formally give them access to mentors and all kinds of different resources to be able to develop those ideas. Um, but also within the lab, we now have an initiative called Open Music, that was an outgrowth of the paper that we put out that I referred to earlier, the Fair Music paper, not to confuse people with all these music terms. Um, But uh, open music is actually an initiative that we're leading with the MIT, uh, or co-leading with the MIT Media Lab, and this is around this concept of creating a uniform way for music rights holder identification across the industry. But the way that these areas relate to one another is that, well, first, they're, they're all largely driven by student engagement. The research is not done by, um, let's say, a a number of just faculty, but it's actually a faculty member leading mostly students doing the research. When interesting things pop out of that research, then we like to say, we're not just going to ask these questions, we actually want to do something about them. So when we're pushing things like open music, actually, a lot of it is driven by, by students. And this is all a means of exposing students to the way that the industry is working, getting students to work on practical things like I mentioned earlier. They're collaborative and multidisciplinary. Um, So these are students from across different majors working on things. Um, And hopefully it gets students at a fairly young age to ask the kind of big questions that don't always have immediate or even right answers while they're in school because you will have to do this time and time and time again while you are embarking on this journey, irrespective of where you end up, whether you're a producer, a sound designer, a performer, an arranger, a songwriter, a music therapist, a music business student, a music educator, it doesn't matter. You will encounter these um, this need to collaborate with others, create tangible results of, of, of your work, present yourself, you're going to find yourself in uncomfortable situations, how do you replicate this while you're, you're here? And that's what we aim to do.
0: Yeah. So for all those people listening that are, that are sort of now realizing that they're an entrepreneur and uh, they'd like to get involved, what, what are some uh, concrete ways they can go about doing that?
1: Well, there's a few things. Um, there's a couple of courses that they can enroll that we offer in the springtime. Uh, one is called the Startup Lab that we teach uh, at uh, the world-renowned design and innovation firm called IDEO, and their offices are in Central Square. Uh, the class is uh, co-taught by an MIT faculty member. Um, the other class that they can enroll uh, for next semester is actually taught at MIT Engineering School, and it features both Berkeley students and MIT uh, Engineering School students. Uh, for next semester, the class will be exploring the creation of new music instruments. Um, And then the other two experiences that are open for the entire Berkeley community, both the graduate and undergraduate level, um, is the Silicon Valley trip. That's for a week on January 9th. And uh, this is the second year that we're doing them. But we go and visit companies like Google and Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple, Skywalker, uh, Studios, Um, And it's really a fun sort of front row seat on the hotbed of of innovation, which Silicon Valley tends to be, uh, but also in many ways to the companies that are more or less architecting the new platform for the music business. Um, And then the other experience uh, is an intern program. It's a sponsored intern program that we have uh, called Ambassadors. Uh, where we underwrite the cost of living for students who are participants in this program with up to $5,000 per student so they can go and work full-time in different places like New York City, Nashville, Los Angeles, San Francisco, London, uh, or even Boston, uh, because we realize that one of the things that holds students back from being able to work full-time within a particular company, even if they're getting paid, which, by the way, they should be getting paid uh, minimum wage, uh, well, we all know that that won't cover your living expenses in Los Angeles. I was talking with a student who just concluded that program, and she was telling me, just renting a car for three months in Los Angeles can be upwards of a couple of thousand dollars, especially if you're under the age of 24. Right. Um, but we believe that it's critical to have these experiences and go and try different things. Go and live in LA. Go and live in New York uh, if you're considering moving there uh, in a year or two. Uh, that gives you an understanding of the place. It helps you build a network. And it also helps you sample a, a career, if you will. Do I want to work in publishing? Do I want to be in film scoring? Do I want to work in a software company? Do I want to be a roadie or whatever? You name it. Um, so these um, these internships, which um, this year we offered about 10, but we plan to expand and we're raising money for this. Um, they are in some ways a form of scholarship um can be really instrumental in shaping the way that you 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 think about what you're doing and if I have any piece of advice for any student out there is to try as many things as they can this is such a unique point of um, of one's life college uh, you never get it again sort of this ability uh, for three four five years to um, kind of dream up who you want to be uh, and an experiment. It's it's for me. Colleges at their best. That's what they're doing. They're providing an environment for somebody to safely experiment and understand and learn and grow and decide what they want to be once they're outside of this cocoon. In some ways, um. So if I were any student at Berkeley. I would seek to take advantage of these opportunities that we offer, whether it's internships, whether it's the trips, whether it's the monthly talk series that we have with people. Because, as I mentioned at the beginning of this program, it's not the thing you plan for that changes your life. It's less so the decision about which major you're going to do, to be honest with you, or what classes you're going to take. Uh, or even sometimes with whom you're going to take those classes. Uh, I don't, in no way will I downplay, of course, the importance of, 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 of your teachers or the decision of what major you want to do. But often these big decisions that we spend a lot of time thinking about are not what changes the course of our lives. What changed my life and made me come to Berkeley was a small ad in Rolling Stone magazine. And you often ask yourself, "What if I never bought that magazine? What if I didn't flip that page or flipped over and never saw that? Um, you know?" And then I can go on and on and on and on about the things that changed my life. Let's say, even meeting somebody like Roger Brown. What if I didn't go to that event that he uh, that he invited me? It's so easy for us to be. Oh, I'm just too busy with classes. I'm too busy with all the stuff that I have planned to do something that I didn't plan. Uh, But keep in mind that the things that forever change the course of who you are are usually the things you never planned for. Um, And that's what we're trying to do with with Berkeley Ice. kind of create those opportunities to do unplanned, unscheduled, happy, accidental things that hopefully change your life in the way that you go about it forever.
0: Well, I, I think that's a, that's a beautiful way to, uh, to take us out uh, in this discussion. I want to thank you, Panos. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Brian. And if you're interested in learning more, uh, do, uh, especially about Silicon Valley trip coming up, and also the ambassador internships, check out berkeley.edu slash ice. This episode was engineered by student Andres Gonzalez in participation with The Burn. I'm Brian Paris, and this is Inside Berkeley.